0: joining us again. Greg, how are you feeling this week? I am off my sickbed, brother. My, my voice was better until yesterday when I preached three times, three times. <laughs> and it's a little worse now. But my greatest, uh, I'll just tell you guys up front, I'm low this morning because the Orioles got swept by the stinking Minnesota Twins, who are lame. <laughs> and we got swept four games. So okay. I am officially announcing now, this is not, I love my Orioles. I will love them no matter what kind of season they have. But for sanctification purposes... I decided last night I will not be watching them the rest of this evening. Uh,
1: so that's true. I'll,
0: I'll check in next day, highlights. <laughs> D- that, but did
1: it. Lisa mandate that? That's why. Um,
0: uh-huh. Well, I don't know if she mandated it, but she welcomed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say she rose up she, she to received receive it. That she received it. Received she, it, received it. it. Yes, <laughs> yes, she joyfully received it, yes. Uh-huh. But thank you. I'm feeling worlds better than a week ago um and hopefully my voice will hang in today
2: yep and we have steve hartland joining us once again steve how are you
1: doing today great, great glad to be here love hanging Rode out with you guys cycling today right that was nice it was fun cool yes. morning beautiful mm, yeah. bugs hitting my face great yeah. time. <laughs> dude it's like what 64 uh-huh. out there this morning yeah, I think. it was it said, uh-huh.
0: crisp cool that's awesome yeah man. lovely that's day sweet. yeah that's great
2: so um it, it Greg, so far, um, it, it's funny because you uh, texted me. I think it was last Thursday, and you were like, um, "We have a conflict for Tuesday night oh, podcast, dude, yeah." Um, so we need to figure out how we can arrange scheduling. Of course, you know I work full time, so it's a little more difficult to arrange stuff. But um, in in God's uh, graciousness, um, He's allowed Steve to be here again, which is going to allow us to kind of have a part two. Yeah of what we were discussing last week in terms of, you know, we kind of started off talking about this idea of, you know, uh, can I, can I positively tell my wife, I won't cheat on her mm-hmm. knowing the the sinful nature of our hearts. And then we kind of meandered through a, a bunch of different topics, all centering around for the most part, marriage and family and relationship. Yeah. Um, and today we're actually going to springboard off of that into Just, we've been bombarded lately with news of these Christians who are uh, well known or in the the social spotlight um, who have had affairs. Sure. Um, and Greg, I want you just to go ahead and briefly, you know, talk to us about, um, Josh Duggar. We're not going to focus on him because yeah. we, we did that, um, and, and talked about that in a previous podcast, but just talk about the, the circumstances of why we're bringing this up sure, today. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, first, I feel so bad for, uh, this guy's wife, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I can't imagine, uh, in three months, two massive revelations, you know, one of. Uh, You know, the issues involving him as a teenager and Mm -hmm. molestation and and the devastating things that that came out of that. You think of women, of
1: wives who say, I thought I knew this man. I know, I
0: know, I know. It's just, wow, can you imagine? I think they've got several little children. It might be three or four children, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, just for anybody that doesn't know, we were talking about this prior. You know, Madison Ashley is a kind of a notorious website. Uh, that boasts, I think, that uh, if I read rightly, uh, a 30 million worldwide membership. Now, some of that is that guys have multiple accounts.
1: That's almost right? as big as this podcast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's like you know almost a third of our our listening audience. Um, but if you think about it, isn't the U.S. population like 300 million? Yeah. So uh, now this is worldwide. Right. So this is you know, and people have multiple accounts. But Man, that's there was huge. a yeah, they were hacked uh, in the last week guys did a huge information dump on the web i i wouldn't know how to access that but apparently josh duggar's name came out and then he did uh immediately uh confess and you know said things like you know i'm the biggest hypocrite in the world i've been living a double life etc but that got us talking nathan about um prominent as you just said christians uh you know recently it's obviously public knowledge a guy that i have read and really liked and i think you have too steve is tully and Chevigian. yeah i have um you know who's kind of famously known, uh, because he's Billy Graham's grandson. Yeah. So he's got quite a pedigree
1: and because he became pastor at Coral Ridge, Coral church. Ridge, yeah. D.
0: James yeah. Kennedy's church, yeah. another historic well-known church in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, um, he, uh, you know, it, it in the past couple of months, you know, uh, confessed, uh, to an adulterous relationship and he's no longer serving as a pastor mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So got us to talking about,
2: Various various things yeah. that 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 brings up. The first thing we want to talk about um, for you guys, uh, Steve and Greg, does this automatically negate theology? Hmm. Does this automatically negate hmm. what these guys have been saying and teaching? A lot of people have been criticizing, particularly Chavijian, yes, on the fact that you know he's a big grace guy. He's a big antinomian guy. And so does this cancel out what he's saying and what he's preaching in terms of theology? Um, I think, um, also of Ray Boltz who came out several years ago now, um, claiming to be a homosexual and a practicing homosexual. Um, you know, he wrote such great, um, songs, you know, theologically true songs. Yeah. And so does this mean that as Christians, we, you know, burn all those CDs. We throw them away because there's no validity in what they're saying. We take Chavidjian's books and, you know, toss them out the burn window. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, what do we do with, with these guys theology at right. this point?
0: And, and real quick clarification, Nathan, yeah. I think you were speaking some shorthand, but I just want to, you know, I don't think uh, Chavidian is an antinomian, but he's often accused, accused of being of an it, antinomian, yes. which, you know, I know right. we, we, uh, you know, we have been talking about, um, I mean, I don't think he is, but there are some good, sharp Christian thinkers that have raised the question: Is Chavidian an antinomy? And then just a really quick tutorial on that for anybody. That, yeah, define that, that for that, some years, You yeah. know, doesn't know that. I mean, technically, it's against the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is the idea of to be you know anti-nomas? You know, it's it's contrary to the law. It's basically the to crystallize it, the belief that um, it, it's it's license basically yeah. that. We can live however we choose to live, and that does is in no way indicative right. of our salvation. It's in no way indicative of our regeneration, our justification, our standing with God, etc. Obviously, antinomianism has been historically condemned. Right. It's not what the gospel teaches. Right. That the gospel, um, you know, obviously the grace of God produces right. change and produces change hearts, which I think we would all be in agreement with. Uh, the the question is, what does that change look like? Right, uh, and I'm one of the things I've always liked about Chavidjian is he's so careful to make sure that we don't take cultural depictions of what the Christian looks like mm-hmm. and make those evidence mm-hmm. of whether this person's a Christian. Yeah. And I love that about Chavidjian. He plays grace so well uh, in in his writing. I mean, his book on Colossians. I loved Jesus plus everything equals nothing. I thought it was terrific. I read it and I thought it was very helpful. I thought it was very grace-focused. I thought it was actually thought it was balanced, and not all the critics did. But the reason I think this is so critical is this, this comes up um, as, and I've read many blogs and, and many critiques that say, well, what did you expect? Hmm. This is a guy who, hmm. you know, it was grace, 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 um, had a really poor view of the law, a really poor view of sanctification, et cetera. And look what happened. And first, Steve, I'd ask you anything you wanted to add it on antinomianism, I gave a very loose.
1: <laughs> no, that's good. But I'm glad yeah. you defined it. Cause I was thinking, you know, some of the heroes in my church might not know what antinomianism right, is. Right. And it simply means you know, lawlessness right? exactly. without yeah. the law or you're against the law. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and just real quick to go to your point, uh, Greg, because we've talked about this before um, some other great, teachers in history have been accused sure. of being antinomian. Yeah. Jesus Christ, right. for example, yes. um, the, apostle um, Paul. The, Paul. the apostle Paul, uh-huh. right. Uh-huh. So, you know, it just because somebody calls you an antinomian doesn't necessarily
1: mean it's true. But
0: yeah, it, it, that is a great point, Nathan. That is an awesome point. Yeah, and I I uh, mentioned that when we preach Galatians, Luther uh, in his commentary on Galatians had a great <clears throat> point. He believed that all true gospel preachers should at some point in their life and ministry be accused of being antinomian. Yeah. Because Paul was. Yeah. And I think you're right, yeah. because Jesus was. If,
1: you're, if your adversaries don't say, well, then let us sin that grace may abound, there's probably something wrong with uh, what you're preaching.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that one of the problems that I, I know some pastors that, that will admit struggling with this, that it's almost like, well, I don't want to be accused of being an antinomian. Uh-huh. So I want to be really careful. Uh-huh. And I would say, well, why don't you want to be yeah. accused of being an antinomian? Uh-huh. Paul was. I want to
1: preach grace as much as Paul did, so I get accused of that.
0: Exactly, because you know, it's like I know in my heart I'm not an antinomian. I know in my heart that the 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 new regenerated person loves God, has a a, the the seeds of desire to please Him. Um, You know what that looks like, how that plays out is very very complicated stuff. Right. And, you know, I've talked to people all the time and said, well, this guy, you know, says he's a Christian, but he did such and such a thing. So he can't be a Christian. I'm like, really? (laughs) Uh, None of us can be (laughs) (laughs) Christians. We
1: all did such and such. I'm immediately
0: disqualified. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Every one of us. You know, I'm really troubled when people say of Javidian and others, uh, well, it's too much grace, too much grace. You cannot have too much grace. You can't preach too much grace. You can't emphasize enough grace. And as, uh, you Calvin and others have pointed out, there's actually there's a legalist inside of every one of us. That's probably what we have to battle. Right. Yeah, yeah. we also have to battle antinomianism sure. for sure, lawlessness. Uh, but man, let's preach grace.
0: Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And and I think, Nathan, to your question, what I, I do know some people that just almost feel like, well, there's no value in those books anymore. You know, the Jesus plus everything equals right. nothing. Um, I'm blanking on some of the other books Javijan's written, there's no more value. Which, again, to your point, Steve, earlier, is that, well, then, there's no value to anything we read. Yeah. Yeah. I Nobody's mean, books are good. Exactly. Everybody's That man books. had
1: flaws. That man had flaws. Yeah. And yeah. it's
0: almost like, well, yeah, but there's certain types of flaws, like <laughs> <Yeah>. adultery, <laughs> that now negate... The list. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. thinking, really? I mean... Really? Yeah. That's a terrifying belief system to me. Yeah, it is. That we would just now say, well, you got to throw it all out, because yeah. the guy fell into adultery. Right. And some other guys... Um, I'm not an expert in this, but I, wasn't there a – you might know this. Gordon McDonald, I think, was another yeah. pretty yeah, renowned Christian Yes, he was. Teacher. Up in New England. Yes, who yeah. g- had an the, adulterous yeah. relationship. Uh-huh. And, and uh, I mean, this has happened. I remember years ago there was a dude, David Hockey, David,
1: out. I was about to mention David Hocking because yes. I was in California when that happened. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I'd been to his church. I, I could picture him and all that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, talk to us about that, Steve, because yeah. that's a little of an older story. Yeah. I want to say that was in the 90s.
1: That's probably right. I was in California eighty-five to ninety-five, so it's probably right, yeah. right around ninety. Yeah. And it, it turned out he had this uh affair, and the the, the limits of the affair were never publicly clearly, clearly defined. Okay. But, but he was meeting his secretary somewhere. She'd drive somewhere, he'd drive somewhere, they'd be in her car. Yeah. There was at least you know some making out and sure. stuff. And I don't I don't know how far it went. But uh what what it created a big brouhaha because some Southern California pastors, Calvary Chapel guys like Chuck Smith and others yep. said, oh, but God's spirit is so upon him. We got to pick him up, dust him off and put him right back in the ministry. Right. And others like John MacArthur said, now he's disqualified for life. For life. So it was right. remarkable right. to see you know, great men on total opposite poles of that issue. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a good meeting, um, but you know what? You mentioned. Let's go back to Hawking. Let's go back through church history, yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. guys falling into this sin are—it's nothing new. Right. Yeah. It's not just because of the lasciviousness of our age. There's been lasciviousness in every age. Yeah. Guys have disappointed us in every age. A lot of it just doesn't get written into church history, but people comment on it. Spurgeon comments somewhere. I think it was in lectures to my students. He comments on men who have disappointed us, and that's what he's referring to. Right, right. In his day. It's in every day. It's in every denomination. It's in everybody's corners. It's not just, well, these guys who preach grace. No, in, in in legalist churches, guys fall into this sin. Right. Uh, my parents are part of an organization called the Sword of the Lord. Have you heard of that? Oh, I've heard of it. I them. mean, yeah. they're like fundamentalists. They are King James only. Yeah. Are, yeah. th- nobody would accuse them of preaching too much grace. I'm right. sorry right. to say. Right. Uh, but uh, I know of a very notorious case where one of their pastors fell into serious sexual immorality and within a couple of years in that organization, they had him back in a pulpit in another state. They kind of covered the thing up and moved him. It's everywhere. Yeah. 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 And I'm not excusing it because no, of that. I'm just yeah, saying right. to point at Chavidian and say, well, see, you're preaching that great stuff. Yeah. Now read some church history, guy. It's just, it's been everywhere. Yeah. And I would say, uh, this is a reason too, why we can keep his books and other people's books who fell into sin. Um, does his fall into sin disprove his theology? absolutely not. Rather, it proves his theology because an important part of his theology was we have remaining sin. yeah, And all of us are capable of doing awful things, but for the grace of God, there go. It just proves that theology. Uh, But it doesn't mean there was no grace of God in him. It doesn't mean that what he said before was worthless. Right? Yeah. Not at
0: all. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well,
2: and you would think too, like looking, looking at scripture and you look at um, Peter, when Paul has to confront Peter in Galatians, sure. because he's not preaching the gospel. Yeah,
0: yeah you know, you yeah. would think if
2: anything was a disqualification for <laughs> you know kicking yeah. you out of the ministry and for you know saying, oh, your your theology is all wrong, everything you ever said before, it would be for not preaching the gospel. Yeah, right. but we hear Paul just said, I, I rebuked him and I rebuked him sharply. Yes, sharply. you know, and and they move on.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. and it wasn't yeah. just it wasn't just Peter; it was Barnabas. Yeah. You know, went that's with right. him in this yeah, and, and e- then all the brethren. Yeah. And so Paul was like the only guy who saw clearly, wait a minute, what you guys are doing is not according to the gospel. Right. He sort of stood alone and defended grace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that's, that's a great point. And uh, to your point earlier, Steve, I remember, um, as a young guy, I was like 14 or 15, so I wasn't a believer yet. And I came into my, uh, my parents' living room one night and know just, I don't know, get ready to go to bed or whatever. And my dad is watching riveted, uh, to the TV screen it was Jimmy Swagger oh yeah preaching. I remember that yes and yeah. he was doing it or something. and I remember asking my dad what I've come to learn about my father my father loves uh, oratory mm-hmm. and uh, he's always been enamored with public speakers yeah. Of, of
1: Swagger was amazing
0: Swagger yeah. I would say, if you study him from an oratory perspective, yeah. one of the best. Yeah,
1: especially the way he'd weep.
0: Oh, I know, <laughs> it I know. just yeah, tear Brilliant. Up. <laughs> I mean, he just, the, uh-huh. you're right, the depths of emotion, yeah. a command of he his really audience. He really was amazing. Yeah. Incredibly gifted communicator. Um. And so here's my father watching this. So I swaggered always kind of, you know, I, I remember his name in my <laughs> memory bank before I was a Christian. And then a couple years later when went, when I came to faith. Uh, it was only shortly after that. I mean, that was '86. I became a believer. So I don't know, maybe '87, '88. You know, there were the two kind of back to, there was the Jim Baker scandal, yeah, but the Swaggart scandal. Remember, uh,
1: Oral Roberts was casting out demons of lust or something. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. And um, but the thing about Swaggart is his preaching as more of a Pentecostal holiness background. So he would preach hot and heavy on the yes. law, uh-huh. sin,
1: sin, holiness. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Um, so to to somehow in this case with Chavigian, find an uh, you know almost a theological equation a plus b equals c you know uh you know preaching this writing this leads to adultery it's just ridiculous yeah. it's yeah. Ri- we sin because we're sinners uh and we um it, almost to say yeah well this is what this theology leads to makes me a little bit nervous and i will say i've heard some good guys make that point like you know macarthur i've heard yeah. make this point before and i used to accept it wholesale but macarthur would say bad theology leads to bad behavior i think there's a lot of truth in that mm-hmm. but i i also think it could leave the impression that if you have good theology there won't be bad behavior yeah, yeah. I don't think I know a lot of people Not with good theology so, yeah. with bad behavior, including myself. Every one of us, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's sort of, it's almost. If you get your theology right,
1: and if you all, all of you who are listening, if you all knew Greg, you would really
0: yeah. know what he's talking. <laughs> that's about. That's right. <laughs> Meaning, knowing Greg is knowing me for two minutes. You know? and then, then you'll know if you were, if you were with me watching that Orioles catastrophe yesterday. Uh, he lost his. Yes, and uh, mm. that was a bad moment for me. That's for sure, and that's why we had to do a podcast on can sports yeah. be idolatry. The answer is yes. Uh, yes, they can be.
1: But you know, another thing that really bothers me when guys are throwing rocks at a guy like Chavidian or others who have fallen, and 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 guys are writing letters, you know, you're evil because of this and that. Is uh, don't we want to be careful to judge things with a just balance and an even scale? Yeah. So uh, you when know, when we pick out that issue and we're just eager to, like throw stones at him and make him look bad and write about him and so on are we really judging fairly? How about we judge ourselves with our sins and our failings and our fallings and the other guys in our own movement with their sins and their failings and their fallings? Uh, I think it's, what about
2: the pastor down the street who can't
0: stop eating?
1: Yeah, there you go. Uh huh. Yeah. Wait, do
0: you mean down the street or here?
1: Uh, (laughs) Around the table. Uh, there's, uh, it just strikes me as something that's that's an evidence of your sin that you're just excited about making other guys look yeah. bad and yeah. giving guys a bad name. Uh, that, that's kind of evil. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. You know, and to that point, Steve, how true is that? Like, I find myself when when my focus is on Christ and and there's sin going on around me, I'm more introspective and and looking uh, and just praising, n- huh. not in a boastful way, but just. Praising God for His grace in my life, yeah. when I've just sinned, I know my focus tends to then go outward. Oh, look at them! Look at what they're uh-huh. doing! i not uh-huh. like them. They're, you know interesting. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't know if you guys have found that to be true as yes. well. But yeah. you know, just I know that. You know, when I've just done something, you know, whether it's gotten angry at joy or, you know, my pride just flared up and, you know, I tend to not want to focus on that and want to focus on what everyone else is doing. Yes, look what they're doing. Yeah, Yeah, but when when I'm in those times, those sweet moments of relationship where I truly understand the nature of my sin, I'm not necessarily sinning, you know, actively, but I understand where I am in that relationship with God that it, it takes on a whole new light. Yeah. yeah,
1: that reminds me of, uh, you know, the story of Jesus with the uh, the woman caught in adultery. And yeah. I understand that textual criticism demonstrates to us maybe that story isn't authentic. Maybe right, it wasn't in right. Scripture. Yeah. I happen to be a majority text guy, so we could ooh, have the podcast ooh, and that's on Right, yeah, that's so, a great so topic. I believe it is in Scripture. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. regardless of where you fall on that, we, we all know the story. And I think it's amazing. You know, Jesus didn't write articles about this woman and he didn't, you know, make blog posts about yeah. this woman. Rather, he uh, he was so gracious yeah. and forgiving and generous to her. And he, he defended her against her Pharisees pharisee accusers yeah so i don't want to be the pharisee accuser guy in the picture where oh you fell into sin you're not my movement good now i can really lay into you yeah no 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 we're all brothers and sisters here we're in the same movement we're all on one team i want to help you support you encourage you but uh i want to be like jesus was with that woman yeah yeah and i don't mean we overlook sin i i think we have to read into that story obviously he saw in her he read in her repentance sure or i don't think he would have just said all right woman i i don't uh what is, I don't accuse you either. Yeah. Go and send no well, more. Well see, and I think
0: that's key, Steve. He does still deal with it at the end. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. he, he Go doesn't and just no more. dodge yeah. it. It's not nicest. And what I love about that story, Steve, too, and yeah, that's interesting the uh, Nathan, note that. Uh you know, majority text, textual criticism, <laughs> future podcast. I, I could see Heartland Shive me having a great oh, <laughs> man, <look laughs> knockdown that. over that, be, that issue. Uh-huh. That that would be fun. Um but the um the 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 thing I love about that story, Steve, that has always grabbed me uh is here Jesus he does state, okay, the one of you without sin cast the first stone. Well of course we know, well that's Jesus. Oh. And he doesn't <laughs> and cast the stone. Yeah. He's, he's saying he would have the right to, yeah, but he does not.
1: And he also points out that the accusers had sin, and yeah. that's the case today too, right?
0: Yeah, You guys right, want to be right. the
1: accusers. Do you, are you free of sin? Right. Come on, man. Exactly. Go and know exactly. yourself.
0: And yeah. uh real quick geek out moment with you here, Steve. Any, um, I mean, I've heard so oh, many thoughts. I don't thoughts. do geeking out. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so many thoughts <laughs> on what Jesus was writing in the sand. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. You yeah. Know, and I've heard everything from uh, he might have been writing the sins yes. of the accusers. Uh-huh. You know, I, who knows? I don't know if you've ever, you know. You know,
1: the passage also says, am I right? I'm not confusing passages. It says that they went away from the oldest of them to the youngest of them. I believe that's right. Like the oldest ones went away first, I right. think is implied in that passage. Right. How's the verbiage do that? So it's interesting, you know. Hopefully, if you're paying attention, by the time you're older, I'm 61 this Thursday, so I I get to know that. Wow, happy
0: birthday. Oh,
1: baby. So, uh, if you're paying attention, by the time you're 61, you are more in touch with your own fallenness. You recognize your own sins. You can be more honest about it all. You're not so optimistic about your own perfectionism and so on. And maybe it's the oldest guys who were there realize, yeah, he's right. I'm a sinner. Yeah, I can't throw stones, and they walk, and it took a while to get to the young guy. Young, he was guy. Will, young yeah. guy willing to say, "All right, me too. I'm a. I guess I'm a sinner too." Right. Uh-huh.
0: Right. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Yeah, well, I want to revisit well, yeah, that at some absolutely. point. Absolutely. Uh, but you would ask Nathan. I don't think we've even gotten to it yet. About is a uh, pastor yeah. perpetually disqualified? <laughs> right. That was the
1: question. Wasn't yes, it? Yeah. Yeah. but
0: uh-huh. yeah. I mean, so, it's yeah, um, moving on
2: because. As we were talking about this, we were actually, um, for the most part, intending to just kind of hang around what we have been discussing. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I'll throw all my cards out on the table. Um, when I was younger, you know, I always heard pastors, you know, when, when their more mm-hmm. explosive sins come into public yeah. um, that, oh, well, you know, it's, it's time to remove them from the pulpit. They're done. You know, there's nothing more that they can do from from that position. As I've gotten older, I'm just going to lo- lay all my cards out on the table. As I've gotten older.
1: Heretic. Yep. That's
0: right.
2: I usually am the heretic. Uh,
1: right. yeah. There's always got
0: to be one. Nathan, I wouldn't say he you He's got long
1: brother. hair, too. The heroes yeah. need to know that.
0: Uh, dude, right. I would say he's not a heretic. I'd say he's a false prophet. <laughs> that's right. okay, so let's, let's get our terminology right. We need right.
1: Oral Roberts <laughs> to cast out the demons of false <laughs> prophecy.
0: Yeah, I bet if we sent a check, that would happen. So anyway, yeah, right. send a check. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, but
2: but I just I've been thinking more about this issue, and, and Greg, as as we've at CFC have um, have elders come on, and we've mm-hmm. talked about leadership, and we've described uh, what are the traits of a leader. Mm-hmm. We've always come back to the point that no one fulfills these things
0: perfectly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: that there is always an instance of failure and sin going on. Because yeah. if you read that, it's almost like. It's almost a call to perfection.
0: Yeah, it's really a description yeah. of Jesus. And,
2: and right, and, and blameless. Yeah, right. And so, to me, as as I've grown and I've I've looked through Scripture, I don't see an instance where people are removed because of their quote unquote serious sins. Mm-hmm. Or because of sin in general. Mm. I mean, if if we're to be real and honest, all sin is serious. And so the pastor who struggles with pride is just as much in trouble as the one who has a moment of adultery. Um,
1: Maybe in some ways worse. Pride is such a basic, (laughs) central, anti-God position in sin. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so what What do we do with this? And, and I'm going to throw this out there to you guys because I'm willing and comfortable to say that do we need to remove that person for a period of time? Mm. Yes, yeah. that I think there needs to be a period of time where that person needs to deal with what's going on in their life. If they have a family, they need to deal with their family and they need to they need to work through these things. But I don't necessarily see that as a, you know what, you're done. You can't do this anymore. And I think sometimes too, and I'm just throwing this out to you, there to you guys that sometimes we will sit there and say, well, if these things happened before the person became a Christian, yeah, it's right. okay. Like if it was
1: the day before, right. uh-huh. you know, but, then,
2: but then once they're a Christian, it's like, well, you know, they're automatically now held. And I'm just going to throw this out there to, to this impossible standard of perfection. Hmm. Um, and so, Throwing that out there to you guys,
0: what do you think? I'd love to hear Steve Hartland's uh, <laughs> position so <laughs> then I can hide and nuance mine to offend less people. <laughs>
1: so you want to put the target on my chest? Yes, right? I <laughs> would like it
0: on your chest. And yeah. I hope the good folks at Trinity Church Are listening in. The pastor (laughs) addresses. Well, some of them are. I'm sure.
1: So, uh, everything in my background inclined me to, and and landed me in the position of: once a guy sins, a a sexual sin, he's immorality with some other woman, he can never be back in the ministry. He is unfit himself for ministry forever. That was my position for a long time. Uh, Really, it it was handed to me by another great Bible teacher that I really followed and esteemed and so on. And, you know, scripture doesn't exactly say, right? So I didn't get it from scripture. I got it from him, right? Right. I got right. it from him. Uh, and and I, I received it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I taught it and so on and so forth. Uh, but then... You know, another benefit of getting older is you get better at thinking for yourself. Some guys are good at that when they're young. I don't think I was as good at that. I'm much better at that now because mm-hmm. of a lot more experience. Right. Uh, as an aside, I love this thing Spurgeon says: too many things get blamed on Spurgeon that weren't. But this really is Spurgeon. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he urged ministers not to put out your thinking to be done by others, as some people put out their laundry to be done by yeah. others. Yeah. Do your own thinking. Don't just follow that guy. Well, he said it, so it must be so. But I did that. I followed that guy. It's a guy who's been mentioned in this podcast today already. I, I got a feeling <laughs> I know. Right, I, I think yep. you do. So, uh, so, so that's fine. But you know, I've had to rethink it, and here's what made me rethink it. It's exactly what you said before the podcast. I, I've come to this place in my life where I, I'm absolutely tired of being a legalist, and I have been one. I'm absolutely tired. I'm disgusted with speaking where Scripture doesn't speak. I'm like on a mission. This is one of my missions. Let's stick to Scripture because that exalts God, and that lowers me. That keeps my opinions down, and that keeps God's truth up. This is God-honoring, God-centered stuff. Let's only do what's in Scripture. We have enough to do with what's in Scripture, don't (laughs) we? There's enough to keep me busy and challenge me and confront me without making up other stuff. So if I take this issue, can a man who sins sexually— ever be restored to ministry. If I take that to scripture, scripture does not say yes or no. Yeah. So we we can't say yes or no. I, I think I'm going to have to say it depends. Right. Yeah. And, and the position I've adopted, and again, I don't really have scripture for this, but I think this is practical. I think practicalities might demand this. Yes, he'll have to step out for at least a time yeah. because he's ruined his reputation. Mm-hmm. And he can't pastor people if they don't trust you and believe right. in you and all that. But how long does he have to stay out? And for me, here's where I would draw the line. Yeah. He has to stay out until his repentance and restoration is as notorious as his sin was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it like it's like overcome his sin. And now in people's consciences, when they see him, they wouldn't think of, oh, he's this fallen dude. Mm-hmm. They would rather think, this this guy's following Christ. He's yeah. been faithful. He's been amazing. You know. So uh, that's kind of where I'm landing on it. And again, I really want. I want me. I want all listeners to this podcast to champion the idea of let's stick to Scripture, where Scripture yeah. speaks. Let's speak where Scripture doesn't speak. I don't care if so and so great Bible teacher says whatever. Right. I want Scripture, or I don't want to go with it.
0: Yeah, Steve. Wow. I mean, I'm. I wish we had an Amen track. You know, <laughs> yeah. let, notes, let's get an Amen track. Right. Amen. Amen. You know, that we could kind of insert at that point. Um, let me. I, I'm not going to devil's advocate you, Steve, because I'm going to go on the record. I. I agree, and I think what you just said was very, very good. And But uh, but, but. This, this is the text. I bet you've heard this. Maybe you use this. And I I've know. always heard 1 Corinthians yeah. 9 uh-huh. uh, where it's interesting the things that aren't said, but Paul says in verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. There's the word. You know what? uh, Remember the King James word?
1: Disqualified. No, what is it? The
0: King James word, lest I be a castaway.
1: Uh Castaway. And
0: I I, I had heard that early on, but it's interesting here. I'm just looking at this note in the ESV study Bible, right? So I just turned there. I can't say I did massive prep for this, but it says uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27, uh, this verse has a long history of misinterpretation uh, <laughs> in terms of punishing one's own body as a means of spiritual uh, uh, means of spiritual discipline. Paul's language, uh, however, is governed by the athletic metaphor of the previous two verses. Give some other cross references. Just as an athlete goes through physical training that is sometimes uncomfortable in order to attain the goal of victory, so Paul endures physical and emotional hardship and gives up his right to material support for the gospel's advancement. Disqualified. Uh, uh, a dokimas, not approved, not standing the test. In this context, means, quote, disqualified from go. receiving rewards, unquote. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I had heard that text loosely referenced yes. about pastors, well, disqualified the, you know, they're ministry. cast away, they're disqualified. Mm-hmm. The text isn't even addressing that subject. Amen, brother. So it does show we got to be really careful that these. Familiar ideas that we get, well, yeah, I mean it's one is yeah well, the verse says this disqual yeah, my pastor explained that, uh-huh. and you know, but when you really look at it is one is Paul dealing with sexual sin no, in the pastorate or in the eldership, no, so
1: is he dealing with being disqualified from ministry no. exactly,
0: exactly, <laughs> so all these questions that come up, you do start thinking, wow, and I would say pragmatically, and I think you just said it, Steve, I mean obviously uh when the pastor you know sins There's an affair that gets confessed or he embezzled money from his church or a company who, you know, whatever, whatever the issues, is. there is a, this is a practical distinction for me. This is not a biblical, yeah. you know, I can't do this. I tend to think there's, there are scandalous sins, yeah. you know, that I, And when I say a scandal, I mean, sort of publicly newsworthy. Yeah. If it's something that channel two might run with yeah. because it's interesting, the guy in trouble. Yeah. yeah. I mean, channel Two's not interested in my pride and yeah. irritability. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I mean, God's very interested in it uh-huh. and, uh, you know, and, and has a lot to say about it. Channel 2 couldn't care less about that right. issue. Uh, so I tend to think there are these scandalous sins that, to me, become interruptive to a church's mission Good or word. ministry. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a distraction.
1: Distraction, yes.
0: So in one sense, you have to deal with it pragmatically. Because immediately people are coming to the church and all they see is, oh man, that's my pastor. I loved him. I, I really hoped he would help me with my marriage and his marriage fell apart. Uh, so obviously there has to be, for the sake of the church, that distraction has to be removed. For the sake, and this is really more important, of that pastor and his family, yeah. they have to have time yeah. mm-hmm. to heal, to get help. Lord willing, hopefully that marriage could still be saved. And right. there are some good stories of redemption and grace you know, <laughs> conquering through these horrible things. Uh, So you want that, but yeah, the question of when to be restored, uh, I'm with you. I, for the longest time thought, oh, it's just a guaranteed. But the more I think about it scripturally, where, as you said, where is that? Mm -hmm. And I would put the onus upon the critic. You've got to prove that to me from scripture yeah. that this person is perpetually disqualified yeah. from ever serving in that role. And when they
1: try to prove that from scripture, we get into some interesting exegetical gymnastics yes. and contortions.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Like the first Corinthians nine yeah. passage, which by the way,
1: a couple things about first Corinthians nine there as well. Uh, I'm going to take a little different position than the ESV study notes you sure. were reading. By the way, I love the ESV. I use oh, it sure. even though I'm a majority text guy. Yes, that's it. right. I'm, that's right. So I'm not a big, you know, Bible thumping majority. Text. Sure. But, uh, Uh, When it talks about being disqualified, the ESV note there said disqualified from reward, and I'll say I agree with that, but I think the reward's bigger than what we're imagining. It's not just like one believer gets this reward and another believer gets the other reward. I think it's a passage that's talking about perseverance, and I would be disqualified from heaven. Yeah. from eternal life right it's like where elsewhere where paul says in second timothy you know, i fought the fight i've run the race now there's laid up a crown yeah if i hadn't fought the fight i'd be disqualified for the crown if i right. hadn't run the race i'd be disqualified for the crown. so i think it's a perseverance passage and it means i won't get to heaven yeah if i that, that's how i take it one more interesting yeah. little thing about first corinthians 9 where it says i discipline my body it's the greek word you probably know this you're a greek dude too piazzo, which means to punch myself under the eye. I just thought that was cool. And wanted that to throw is it very in cool. There.
0: Yeah, it also sounds like something I'd order. At, uh, I don't know. From like Bertucci's. A, yeah, Bertucci's or maybe a Greek restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. um, yeah, no, that is, that is really, really cool. The, um, a note to self, Nathan, and we can note this. One of the podcast topics that I would like to get to at some mm-hmm. point, Dave Shive and I have had some great conversation on this, is the whole concept. Ready for this? Are there really rewards oh, yeah, in heaven? Yeah. I will say, just to create a little interest, that in more recent years, I lean very strongly that there are not hmm. fully aware that there are multiple passages about rewards. Right. So how do we exegete those passages? How should we exegete those passages, etc. I will just say this. I've never gotten... I can understand why I believer believes in rewards. I mean, there's ample text. I can see mm-hmm. that. I've never met a Christian that I know of that would be motivated by it. In other words.
1: Man, I want to get a big house in heaven. it's so strange for me. I want a jaguar in heaven. Yeah, I
0: don't want to go see this sickly person in the hospital. I hate hospital. They probably won't even know. But you know what? Man, I probably will get a reward. The concept of being motivated by that is so weird to me Uh that I just think. No, this can't be what's going on there. It's it's so. so What do you do
1: with with Jesus saying he was faithful and little faithful? over much? Yeah, in many cities and you. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, That's another podcast. That's a podcast. No,
0: I'm thinking I can't give a short answer to it Uh because I I will admit there are some some issues, but the the concept of rewards. There was an article I think in uh, Jets, you know, Journal of uh, Evangelical Theology Society years ago. I want to say it was by Craig Keener, who's a Dallas guy who first put this out there that he himself was thinking, I don't think there's, uh, uh, rewards. Huh. So Dave Shive has talked about this with me. I'm not entirely sure of his position, so I don't want to give it away. Right. Just, just a quick little thing we could come back to and another pie. Po- See, listeners, you don't just get our The fruition of these brilliant podcasts, but the planning (laughs) of future ones. (laughs)
1: Because we are thinking on (laughs) our feet. We are are Uh
0: making stuff up as we go. As we go. That's right. Uh (laughs) I'm sure people are totally impressed right now.
2: What's interesting, Greg, is you talk about the the idea that people don't necessarily think, you know, well, I'm going to get a bigger reward, but I do hear all the time. Well, there's another jewel for your crown. The crown.
0: And, and I'm just uh, going to throw yeah. the crown at Jesus' feet. Aren't
1: yeah. there songs about that? Yeah. <laughs> another jewel in my crown. <laughs>
0: yes, yes.
1: Now, so. what do you do with Paul in 1 Corinthians 3? And I preached on this verse yesterday. Oh, so did I'm you feeling, really? I'm feeling the heat here, wow. brother. Wow, I didn't um, know that, brother. I promise. Uh, we were in this passage, and yeah. Paul's talking about uh, you know, Apollos and Paul. And they yeah. the Corinthians were viewing them as rock stars. And Paul says, no, you need to just view us as servants. We're just servants. Yep. Uh, don't make heroes out of the, the pastors. So then he says, uh, He who plants and he who waters are one. And I love that. There's unity in the body of Christ. So don't throw rocks at those guys over there. You're actually sure. one with them. They're on your team. And each will receive See, his, his wages yeah. according to his labor. So right. what are my wages?
0: Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's the big question. I mean, I don't know that there are eternal. I, I would lean not. I, I mean, why couldn't those things in context be um, God's individual dealings with you in this lifetime? Yeah, maybe in this um, lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, yeah. that opens up huge discussions. Maybe yeah. it's a personal sense of joy. Maybe it's a personal sense of accomplishment. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, uh, but I just preached on First Peter. Uh, I've been in First Peter. One more message to go. And two wow. weeks ago, I did um, the passage in chapter five on Peter exhorting the elders. And it's interesting there when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of life. And I. What I found intriguing—I didn't spend much time on it—but as I study the term, the crown of life or the crown of glory, they seem to be interchangeable. And I used to hear people preach on that passage that maybe pastors or elders will get a special <laughs> reward. And what I see is it's the—I think it's the same. Yeah. And I think it's the, yeah. that every believer gets. I think yeah, he's ultimately talking about eternal glory. Me too.
1: See, it's another perseverance passage.
0: I, and that's exactly yeah. what I think it is, and I, it reminds me more of the workable uh, or the workers in the parables uh, uh, in the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. uh, that show up, they all get the denarius. Uh, it, it, there, there's something about mm-hmm. that that just speaks of eternal light. The glory of God entering the celestial city as Bunyan would say should be enough for the elder, the layman, mm-hmm. the stay at home mom Everybody. to keep. Wow. I'm going to keep pressing on. This is what, who Christ is. This is the glory that is set before me. And that I, the idea of special motivations i'm just I struggle with yeah, mm-hmm. I struggle with I, a great deal,
1: I think we all would yeah, and I think whatever your position is the reward just the fact that you get to go to heaven because you've persevered by grace, or is the reward that there are going to be you know various levels sure of you'll hear that sometimes I mean, bigger position, mansions yeah whichever p- position you take. Uh, I like John Calvin's take on this, and he was a reward guy. He was, um, yes. But he says, you know, he emphasizes, we have to understand the rewards are gracious rewards in which the blood of Christ blots out all our failings, all our sins, cancels out all our debts, and by grace, though we are undeserving of the least of his mercy, he gives us gracious rewards. It's right. kind of like that. Sure. So, a yeah. lot of grace thrown into that.
0: And, and it has to be. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, part of it is I do realize uh, you can't pour the Atlantic ocean into a thimble. So you can't uh-huh. pour the truth of heaven and the eternal state into our finite In minds. Our brains, right? And yeah. that's, right. that's critical. Um, and then having said that, right. hopefully not contradicting what I just said, but balancing it, it is hard to imagine something better than absolute blissful perfection, right. which I think we would all agree on is what's awaiting us. Yeah. Like
1: what's the reward going to be is, on top uh, of right. it? I sp- think it might be a Harley
0: yeah <laughs> dude, can we do
1: a podcast where yes. there be harleys in heaven you know All what right.
0: i think it is dude i think it's a concealed permit character <laughs> it's, it's that of course we probably won't need that uh, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming yeah yeah, uh, yeah there's uh-huh. uh you know to me it's an imac in every room in my house <laughs> so you know you, you, you don't even need a macbook anymore just everywhere you go <laughs> they're there there's huh? an imac you could just sit down with a big screen uh you know so we we, we think about these things but uh, yeah, since we're on it, didn't mean to get on it. I'll say one more thing. I, I may have mentioned this on another podcast. Do you remember the song, Steve? Because you, with your background, you probably have more hymns. I hate, and it is not too strong a word, the hymn. I've got a mansion just over the top. Oh, hilltop. Yeah, 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 yeah. That has to be the worst hymn ever. Isn't written. that terrible stuff? It yeah. is a horrendous hymn.
1: Some of the worst examples of the moody, sankey era. Yes.
0: And oh. it was like, uh, I'm satisfied with just a cottage... Below, but in heaven, I'll have a gold one that's silver lined. Yeah. So we've now taken those beautiful passages and again, emptied Calvin's take of the graciousness and the undeserving nature of it. And we've turned them basically into a celestial materialism. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to get a really good one up there. Mm. And it, you know what, It's going to be better than yours. <laughs> it's going to be better news because I'm going to do more.
1: That poor translation in the King James Version uh, of uh, In My Father's House There Are Many Mansions has done a lot of harm and produced bad songs and whatever and whatever.
0: Terrible. Yeah. Terrible translations. It's obviously the dwelling place. It's it's a place where you live and it's... uh,
1: I think the translators yeah. of the King James... Did we talk about this here? Before? I, I think we did I think we did. Before, yeah, they, they didn't seem to know what the Greek word meant there, so they just went to the Latin Vulgate, and yes. the Latin Vulgate had the word mansion, mansion, so they just imported that into their English version, and mansions became the thing. But it's not mansions. It's more like just dwellings. It's yes. almost like there's a big farm in heaven, and there's room for everyone. That's the point.
0: Well, you know, um, maybe we could ask a listener to weigh in on this, uh, Steve, because I don't know if you know this, but I remember in seminary... And this is really fuzzy. We're going back 20 years now. But uh, Dr. Vinoy mentioning a mistranslation in the Vulgate. It's an interesting little uh, about Moses when the glory of the Lord is raiding off his face. That in one of the passages in the Vulgate, it, it, it mistranslates that to horns. <laughs> and, and I want somebody to look that up. One of our listeners, please. Oh, tell Oh man! There is a famous sculpture <laughs> of Moses with horns. Is there honestly? Because of that, because Vulgate of that passage? passage, I'm I'm I that know a great back, story, man. and it's it's one of those wow. funny things where all of a sudden we've got this sort of demonic it's, Moses.
1: It's the, or the I was thinking of the Viking yeah, Moses. Yeah, the Viking.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. You know, dude. That <laughs> isn't not a great like historical. Adventurous oh, romance novel, man. Viking Moses. That's the Norse. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. yeah, that uh-huh. is just hilarious. so Packing up
1: his enemies. If, if
0: any of our <laughs> listeners know, because if I do this, I will not do any sermon prep this week. I'll spend all week looking that up. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't mind wasting a little of your time, please email us. Let us know about. <laughs> he's
1: he's in Valhalla now. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh.
0: That's right. Yeah, with Thor and, yeah. and Loki and, uh, and Odin and yeah. those guys. um Dude, uh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious.
2: Well, and going back to you, you guys' point, like at. You look at what Christ taught and, and what we see from the example of the disciples in terms of just the idea of rewards and and monetary possessions and things like that. You would think if, if there was this idea of great rewards in heaven, well, first of all, that's a good thing. And that's something that we should want to and aspire to and, and we should be looking at and teaching more about. But you don't really find that. I mean, you find with in general, within the hearts of believers, the idea that, no, these things aren't good because they're temporary and that's not the true prize. That's not the true possession. That's not where our true heart lies. Our true heart lies with Christ. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And so, you know, because that is the ultimate good, that is the ultimate good thing that we are aspiring to. Um, And so, again, if, if, if these rewards were good and they were taught about, then then these are the things that we should be looking forward to. And you don't Excuse see me.
1: that. You don't see it. Yeah, yeah. Good point.
0: Yeah. Well, and I've, um, I love the passages that come to mind and I try to help younger people see this because <clears throat> I think it has an incredible apologetic value mm-hmm. as well. When you're talking to skeptics, you know, the, the, obviously a natural objection of the skeptic. It makes sense is, uh, I don't like your religion because, um, you say, I'm, I don't get heaven, mm-hmm. I go to hell. And I think one of the greatest challenges is for us to come back to the person and make sure that heaven is defined by the Bible, mm-hmm. not by their imagination or my imagination. Right. Uh, and then you get to the point where I think it's helpful. The passages I always go to are Jesus' word to the thief on the cross. Yep. Not today you'll Mm -hmm. be in paradise, but today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second Corinthians five to be absent from the body is not to be in heaven, but to be present with the Lord. The Lord. And Philippians one, where Paul says, I'm torn on both sides. I could depart and not go to heaven, but be with Christ Mm -hmm. or stay here. So there you got three passages where the hope of heaven, pardon me, is relational, not geographical. Right. Because most people, what's heaven? And they might say, oh, it's Cosmic Disney World. It's right. the party that goes on forever. And I, you're saying I'm boxed out of it. Right. And I will try to steer that conversation to, wait a minute, but I'm confused because you're telling me you don't want Christ now. Right. I'm telling you that the way heaven is described in scripture is to be with Christ. That's the hope. Right. It's not a mansion. It's not streets of right. gold. It's not pearly gates. It's to be with Jesus. Right. So then you kind of... Hopefully have turned that conversation to say, so tell me, why are you upset that you won't have him forever? Because understand heaven, as I understand it, or the Bible presents it, is the opportunity to be with Jesus forever and ever and be in his presence. Right. Uh, you're saying you don't want him now. Right. So you're upset that you won't have him then. You, you've changed the dynamic, right. you know. hopefully. And I just wanted to say, I'm looking at the lyrics. It's a short song. Listen, this is what I noticed. I noticed this when I was I was at a church, good man, gospel preacher, but he loved this hymn. He he hmm. was an older school guy that would break out into song as he was preaching. Oh, I like
1: that. You know, and
0: uh, <laughs> this is one of the ones he loved. But notice what's absent in the song to your point, Nathan. it's um, It's very short. It's, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the hmm. ransom will shine, I want a gold one that's silver lined. Chorus, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder, we will never more wander, but walk on the streets that are pure as gold. Second and last verse. Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm but a pilgrim in search of the city. I want a mansion, a harp, and a crown. You know what's absent from that? Jesus, mm-hmm. uh-huh. not one yeah. reference in that song to Christ. It's just the stuff I want. It's to have, the huh? stuff of heaven.
1: What a materialistic! Hymn. It's it's
0: pure <laughs> materialism. Yeah. It's just shifted a little bit with some biblical imagery, and uh, I just think, man, is that what I want? People, right. yeah, you got to accept Christ to get all this good stuff. Yeah. Right. Huh. It's like well, there's
1: a new evangelistic text. Yeah, there's a <laughs> thing, uh-huh. which
0: actually, dude, is used in some cases. <laughs> I mean, that is the health uh-huh. wealth health in wealth, the extreme. Yeah. Is the yeah. you get Jesus and you get the stuff.
1: We just yeah. have a more eschatological view of it all. Exactly. Get it then. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There could be just a delayed. That stuff is yeah. coming. It's coming. That's baby. a great point, Steve. Uh-huh. There could be maybe what we call a delayed health wealth gospel. Hey. And I say the gospel is relational. Yeah. It is. I mean, I love John 17. Jesus, his prayer is to the Father. I want them the ones you gave me, to be with us, yeah. to behold the glory we shared before the world began. That's the picture. Yeah. you know. And, and then you think of John 17. You know, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. It's always relational. It's not geographical. Yeah. So uh, I always try to try. It's easy to talk about here mm-hmm. in a podcast right. with guys that agree with me. Uh, uh, but in the context of Starbucks and talking to a skeptic right. that might be hostile, to try to get them to think, you know, the picture in scripture is relational. Right. It's not geographical. Now, here's the real bomb I'll throw out to you guys hell. Mm. Uh, I, um, and I don't know, Steve, how you throw this, but I'm throwing all this stuff out uh, uh, today. Got this from one of my seminary professors, Dr. Dunswater, first one to ever say it. He asked us the question one day Is God in hell? And he you know, said, No. I mean, because God is omnipresent. In hell. That's what he said. <laughs> he says, then, if he's not in hell, he's yeah. not omnipresent. Yeah. So um, he made the point kind of in reverse, that hell is a relational concept yeah. more than a spatial concept. Mm. He made the point, too, you know, does the Holy Spirit physically fill the space of the unbeliever's body? Mm. And I would, no. <laughs> then he's not omnipresent. He's omnipresent. Right. Yeah. And what is indwelling a relational concept? Yes. He said the Holy Spirit is physically present in the body of the unbeliever, but as an unwelcomed guest. Yeah. The believer, it, it, so all these concepts when you start thinking hell, heaven, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, if you think of them relationally yeah. instead of spatially, it opens up some pretty interesting thought, Here, Here's
1: man. an interesting thing that comes from that, the, the great Puritan theologian and pastor John Owen. Yeah. I love John Owen. Sure. Great guy. Uh,
0: and easy to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, words like, uh, this is my favorite word, Steve. Adversation. I don't know what that means.
1: <laughs> and, I just and, remember reading it and four by times. The way, also, no one ever would ever accuse Owen of preaching too much. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, God. when you read his mortification of sin in the wow, life of the dude. believer, if you can get through that and still think you're a Christian, I know, it's amazing. I know.
0: But anyway, wasn't
2: that one of Piper's, like John Piper's punishments
0: to Barnabas it, Piper? It was. You had to read sweet. John Owen. <laughs> <laughs> he had to read and write a summary that was on the happy of the rant of, of sin. Sin. Wow. <laughs> the mortification of sin because the he said? like he like cheated on a quiz or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm never hilarious. cheating again. Uh-huh. But go on, brother.
1: So uh, what were we talking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the spatial relational. So Owen pointed out, You know, I read this, and it kind of opened something up for me, that when the Bible talks about you believe on Christ, and then the Holy Spirit comes to reside in you, or we use that terminology, he comes to reside in you, we picture this a uh, locomotion where he was up there and now he's here and now he comes down here and now he'll be in me. But Owen says, no, you know, he's, he's omnipresent. He was already spatially in you. He mm-hmm. occupies all the heavens and all the earth and actually they're inside of him. He's bigger than them. Right? Um, so, so what does it mean? The Holy spirit dwells in you now? Uh, uh, Owen says, we have to understand that's like human language accommodating to our understanding, but really it means he is now working Manifesting his presence, working in you, producing things in you, in a steady state for the rest of your life. Yeah, he was already there. He's there now. He's doing things he wasn't doing before. Yeah. What do you think of that,
0: uh, dude? It, I think it's spot on. I uh, probably never read that in Owen because I'm just going to confess I've never gotten through Owen. Uh, I want to because I, I want to have that, but I've I found him so difficult that I've always read the Owen popularizers, uh, Yeah. like Chris Lungard's There's the nothing, nothing wrong within. with that. Great stuff, but yeah. I mean, no, I know Owen's place. He's he's yeah. a he's a giant. He's a luminary. But one
1: of Owen's faults is he never knew when to put down his pen. Well, that's so. the
0: thing, which uh-huh. tended to be a Puritan issue yeah. when the titles <laughs> yeah. were twenty seven words.
1: Richard Baxter. Oh yeah, my that's right. goodness, uh-huh. you know.
0: Um, but I no, I think that fits exactly mm-hmm. right, Steve. I do think these concepts are relational, and I think they help because yeah. I think it almost gets silly. Uh, if you think about it, the way I used to think of the Holy Spirit, for instance, indwelling the person, is almost like yeah, he's right around the <laughs> circumference or the edge of the unbeliever's body. And when he moves, the Holy Spirit kind of has to contort so he doesn't accidentally <laughs> go inside. <laughs> it's, inside. It's, and
1: then when you believe, he kind of goes...
0: Shh. Yeah, and then he kind of uh-huh. gets vacuum sealed <laughs> uh-huh. in. And you think, no, if it's a relational concept uh, mm-hmm. that he is now the, the, the guest of honor in our lives, he's the one who is... Working and directing, it's a beautiful. Yeah, it is, and I love it. He was always there. Yeah, but then the Holy Spirit throws the switch, so to speak, right? right. And we 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 come alive to uh, to God, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thought. So uh, yeah, we should give away an Owen book, dude. Let's give away an Owen volume book. six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <More> let's, <education laughs> let's give away. I'll tell you what. I've got. It's not true. I did read one Owen book that my beloved friend and departed Elder Roscoe Adams gave me called The Glory of Christ and it's somewhere on that shelf. Mm. All right. Outstanding. Mm. It was hard enough. Yeah. But I think um, Christian Publications, if somebody has done these reprints, mm. and that is a beautiful book. So why don't we say we'll give away the glory of Christ Sounds by John good. Owen. Serious
1: years ago, I had a, like a men's group, small Bible study at my home Sunday nights, and we had like four or five guys, a lot of them interested in the ministry and stuff, serious, you know, growing Christian disciple guys. And we, we worked our way through Owen's volume six, Mortification of Sin and the wow. Life of the Believer. And the consequence was by the time we got done, all of them thought they were not saved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Dude. They all thought, I'm not really a Christian. That's what well, it did to uh, them. Dude. So that... Owen didn't know where to draw the line, man. Uh-huh.
0: And that tended to be – I think Packer said that too, that there were few Puritans that did well on the Doctrine of Assurance. Uh, uh, said this was a, a woefully lacking area in Puritan yeah. theology because and you know, there was such a fixation on indwelling sin, which is a great emphasis. Yes. Uh, and there's great truth to, to be gleaned for the believer. But you, you have to also think in mind, what about your Doctrine of Assurance – uh, and how is that pastorally applied? Yeah,
1: how do you give comfort
0: to those High yeah. Christ
1: people? Yeah,
0: I was going to say that's how... Uh, Lisa, my wife, and she's, I think, admitted this when she was on the podcast months back with Tracy Smith. I mean, and I think Tracy said the same. That's how they feel every time they read a Christian woman's book. Really? Uh, I know, can't really be yeah, believe yeah. The kind yeah. of wife you're supposed to be, which chapter one is the always. Proverbs
1: 31 woman.
0: Wake up at 4.45 in the morning. <laughs> you know, Pray for said, two hours. Every single book starts. You've got to be up before everybody, and uh-huh. you've got to be. And there are some women. God oh, bless them to do man. that. But what about the women that don't? Lord help them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right, guys. Well, we're winding down on time now.
1: We Uh, can't do that. It's too much fun. No, man. I'm loving
0: it. Well,
2: and one of the things that I think, um, you know, we've been talking about so many things that we want to talk about in the future. One of the things that I think would be fascinating is what does the scripture say about heaven? Yes. What does the scripture say about hell? Um, Because, and and I've told you this, Greg, that I'm, I'm leaning more toward the actual hell of hell isn't what we read in terms of the lake of fire and the torture Mm -hmm. and things like that, it's the absence of Jesus Christ. It's that relational aspect. Right. Um, None of God's grace drips in there. Exactly. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, And so,
2: you know, having, having that discussion and and looking at that.
0: So let's do it.
2: All right. Well, unfortunately we are, we are closing out. So guys, we just rocked the Casbah. Rocked it.